you're wondering. I'm not trying to break any rules. If you hear a whistle, it's because it drains from the bottom up. Okay, so I understand that. I want you to have you open your Bibles to Mark chapter 10, and that's where we'll start tonight. And again, I know you've been missing me. And my wife is home. So I'm in a much better mood, aren't I, Carla? Yeah. A girl was visiting her blonde friend who had acquired two new dogs and asked, what are their names? What were their names were? And the blonde responded saying that one was named Rolex and the other was named Timex. And her friend said, whoever heard of naming someone naming their dogs like that? And she says, hello, they're watchdogs. Well, right. And I can't help it. I can't remember if I read this one or not. I'm getting old. All right. But I just thought of my wife with this. And it's the CIA. CIA had an opening for an assassin. I don't know if any of you remember this or not. And after all the background checks and interviews, the testing was done. There were three finalists, two men and one woman for a CIA assassin. For the final test, the CIA agents took one of the men into a large metal, through a large metal door and handed him a gun and said, we must know that you will follow your instructions no matter the circumstances. Inside the room, you will find your wife sitting in a chair. Kill her. The man said, you can't be serious. I could never shoot my wife. The agent said, then you're not the right man for this job. The second man was given the same instructions. He took the gun, went into the room. All was quiet for about five minutes, and the man came out with tears flooding down his face. He said, I tried, but I just can't kill my wife. The agent said, you don't have what it takes. Take your wife and go home. Finally, it was the woman's turn. She was given the same instructions to kill her husband. She took the gun, went into the room. Shots were heard. One shot after another. They heard screaming, crashing, and banging on the walls. After a few minutes, all was quiet. The door opened slowly, and there stood the woman. She wiped sweat from her brow and said, You guys didn't tell me the gun was loaded with blanks. I had to beat him to death with a chair. (laughs) All right. Don't mess with my wife. (laughs) Mark, chapter 10. Okay. I know, it's one of these things. I was sent a thing, it was given to Mike Viscom about this preacher who said you should never use levity, should never have any humor in a message. It's all supposed to be seriousness. And to that I say, ah, nuts. Okay? We take the preaching of God's word seriously. All right? And uh, that's the most important part. But I like you to smile before I make you frown. Amen? Okay, Mark chapter 10, verse 46. And they came to Jericho, and as he went out of Jericho with his disciples, a great number of people, blind, with his disciples, and a great number of people, blind Bartimaeus, the son of Timaeus, sat by the highway side begging. And when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out and say, Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy on me. And many charged him that he should hold his peace, and he cried the more, a great deal. Thou son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus stood still and commanded him to be called. And they called the blind man, saying unto him, Be of good comfort, rise, he calleth thee. 
And he, casting away his garment, rose and came to Jesus. And Jesus answered and said unto him, What wilt thou that I should do unto thee? The blind man said unto him, Lord, that I may receive my sight. And Jesus said unto him, Go thy way, thy faith hath made thee whole. And immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus in the way. Now, this is the sixth message I've been preaching on prayer, why men ought always to pray and not to faint. And tonight's title of tonight's message is When Jesus Comes. And it's dealing with the need of faith for answered prayers. You know, and here in Mark 10, we just read this passage, you're given the name of the beggar. It's Blind Bartimaeus. Uh, Mark's account is paralleled in Matthew chapter 20, verses 29 through 34. In Matthew's account, for the sake of time, I won't go there and read, you find that there's two men who come to him. Same account, two men who come, both blind. And in Luke chapter 18, verse 35 through 43, it states a certain blind man. Okay, and so the Bible, the New Testament, the Gospels aren't contradicting. What you're going to see is when you read the Gospels, God gives particular details, and that's why it's the harmony of the Gospels, and you can learn certain parts of it. It's not that Mark and Luke are right and Matthew is wrong, or Matthew is right and Mark and Luke are wrong. If you accept that you have a perfect and errant word of God, you're going to know there's no mistakes there. In Matthew, many times you're given the numbers. In Mark, you're giving a much quicker thing. It's an action. And Luke gives you details as him being the son of man. Again, Matthew is Jesus the coming king. Mark is Jesus the servant. Luke is Jesus the son of man. And John is Jesus, God the son. Okay? And because it, don't say, it doesn't say all the same things together in them doesn't mean that they contradict. You've got to trust God enough by faith that he wants you to have his word. And we see this difference in certain blind men. And it's not contradictory. The Holy Spirit uses each author to give a better picture of the total. And tonight we want to use these accounts to illustrate and emphasize some of the points about answered prayer. And many of them we've already covered, because again, this is the sixth time I'm preaching on answered prayer. And for the answered prayer, one thing you need, you know what you need? You need Jesus there. Where two or three are gathered in my name, there I'm in the midst of them. If you're praying to the ceiling, and if you don't believe by faith that God wants to hear and answer your prayers, you're not inviting Him there. Jesus says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come in unto him and sup with him and he with me. You want answered prayer. Jesus needs to be there. Now, if you're saved tonight, you have Christ in you, the hope of glory. But are you willing to open your heart in humility before him and invite him into what you're praying about? So many times people, they pray and it's rote to them. You know, when I say rote, I mean it's just, they're just spilling it off. i got to get through my prayer requests. That's not the way Bartimaeus prayed. It's not the way you see answered prayer in the Word of God. Sometimes, you know, that's hard. I know we only take 10 to 15 minutes in the prayer time. You can take the time to pray for them. You have the list. That doesn't mean that the only time you pray about those prayer requests is Wednesday night between 7.30 and 8 o'clock or 8.10. 
Okay, those are prayer requests given to you, and you need to carry them before the throne continually. And so what we have here is we want you to see that with Christ in you, the hope of glory, you need to know that when we come to the Father and ask in Jesus' name, John chapter 14, verses 13 and 14, you need to know, again, where two or three are gathered, so you can find individual prayer. You can find small group prayer. You can find large group prayer in the Word of God. It doesn't mean one is right and the other is wrong. It just means it's, they're all coming, but you want Jesus in the midst. Okay? You need Him when you're praying. And tonight we're going to look at this account of when Jesus comes. When Jesus comes. The first thing we see is it says His name is Blind Bartimaeus. He's the son of Timaeus. And he's blind. There is physical blindness. There is emotional blindness. There is spiritual blindness. Somebody who may be physically blind can have greater vision than almost any other believer. And you ought to know that just by singing some of the songs in your hymn book. Fanny Crosby. Blind from about birth. Saw heaven in a way that touches our hearts still today. Okay, he was blind. He wanted to see. You know, when people think about physical blindness, yeah, I don't have the night vision I had 10 years ago. I just don't. Okay, I, you people, some people laugh. I know, past, or I said Kevin Thomas would tease me sometimes. He, he says, You're the only person I know that normally carries two flashlights and two knives in your pocket. I told him I'd carry two guns too, but it gets too bulky. And that's the way that goes. But physical blindness. Okay, because you're saying emotional blindness. You know what it does? It talks about in the scriptures where the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them who know not. Another place it talks about blinded hearts. A heart that's surrendered and broken for Jesus Christ will be ready to forgive so that the spiritual battle can be engaged. You can't get away from that. can't get away from it. He was a certain blind man, it tells us in Luke 18.35. It tells us it's blind Bartimaeus here in Mark. Okay, And I want you to know that the emphasis here in Mark and in Luke is on the, the important... Each individual is to God. I think if the Sunday morning crowd understood what it takes to have Jesus in the midst, maybe Wednesday night would be more important to them. Okay? You know, I heard it said a long time ago with Pastor Christian, I don't know where he got it from, he says your Sunday morning attendance, that's on people who are saved and it's... The Sunday morning cried, crowd that comes, they're looking for God to work in their hearts. The Sunday night crowd, they want to be faithful to their church home. But the Wednesday night crowd, they want to be in the presence of Jesus. So I want you to know that's the way God looks at you tonight. You come into the presence of Jesus. 
And we lose sight of it so many times with prayer. It's just not as important. And what you find out is the people who come on Sunday morning, many times if they're not saved, they ask the saved to pray for them, don't they? Would you pray? We have people who call this church, call church members, who won't come here because we're too extreme, but we're extreme enough that they believe God will answer your prayer. I've had someone call us, would you please pray? I go, why? Well, you got a different connection with him than I do. <laughs> and I'm nothing special, just ask my wife. Do you understand what I'm saying to you? You know when they took notice of the disciples who were fishermen, ignorant fishermen, they said they had been with... You know what Wednesday night is about? Being with Jesus. Being with Jesus. Okay? It's important. Look at Matthew chapter 6. We're coming back to, to Mark 11. Matthew chapter 6. Let me see. Jesus is talking to the people as individuals, okay? This is part of the Sermon on the Mount, the Beatitudes. And if you look at verse 25, it says, Therefore I say unto you, take no thought for your life, for what you shall eat or what you shall drink, nor yet for your body, or what you shall put on. Is not life more than meat, and the body than raiment? And what, how many times is this where our prayer requests go? Health concerns, physical things, financial needs? I'm not trying to, I pray that way, I'm not trying to put it down, but I want you to understand something. It says, Behold the fowls of the air, neither they sow not, neither do they reap, neither um, gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feedeth them. Are ye not much better than they? Which of you, by taking thought, can add one cubit to his stature? And why take ye thought for raiment? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They toil not, neither do they spin. And if you're married, man, you don't have to worry about your raiment. Your wife will show you what looks good. That's, that's not in the scriptures, that's according to Bryant, all right? And I say unto you that even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Wherefore, if God so clothed the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow is cast into the oven, shall he not much more clothe you, O ye little faith? Therefore, take no thought, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or whitherwell shall we be clothed? For after the, all these things do the what? There's only three classes of people in the world today. God's chosen people, the Jews, Gentiles, all unbelievers, whether they are black, white, red, yellow, whatever you want, they're either a Jew or they're not. Okay? Gentiles in the church of God, which is made up of all who've accepted Christ as Savior, black, white, red, Jewish, no matter what, they're a child of God. Okay? After these, the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knoweth that ye have need of all these things, but seek ye what? First, the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Take therefore no thought for tomorrow, for tomorrow shall take thought for the things of itself. Sufficient for the day is the evil thereof. And you know what I love is saying, you know, we, we have prayer requests for physical needs, but if the person's unsaved, you should include the fact, or you should state that they don't know Jesus Christ first, and then talk about their health. Okay? The Bible puts it in the right order. Spirit, soul, body. How many times do we say body, soul, spirit? 
you got to have a heavenly perspective. What's the spiritual circumstance? Amen? And if they're saved, you're asking God to work a miraculous thing in their, with healing because God is still in the healing business. I don't believe in faith healers, but I do believe in godly healing. Okay? Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things should be added unto you. See, why don't you understand something? To that, that's every individual. We need to have our hearts in the right place. We need to be willing. We're going to see about blind Bartimaeus and other things with prayer. Okay, first thing you see him, he sat by the highway. Right? Back in our text. Mark chapter 11. Verse 46, Bartimaeus, the son of Timaeus, sat by the highway side begging. In, the other, in Matthew and Luke, it says the wayside. And when I only think about that, you know what I think about? I think about the seed in the sower. Okay, you find it in Matthew, you find it in Luke. Okay, you find it in Luke chapter 8 and verse 5, and it says the wayside. You know what that is? People who are living their life, lost people are just going through their life. They're on the wayside. And it talks about the seed being cast to them and then Satan coming and stealing it from their hearts and they're not saved. He was on the wayside begging. You know who will be very easy to lead to the Lord? When someone who's lost truly understands their need. Right? How do they know their need? When you preach the warning. Okay? There, he's on the wayside begging. Oh, so many of on the wayside. And I, I use a text sometimes on the street corner. It says, isn't that anything unto you? Okay? All ye. And it goes on. They're, they're on the wayside. They don't hear. They don't know. He was looking. How many times do we lose sight and there's somebody who's hurting? They have a need, they just don't need. You know, it's like, what are you hungry for when you don't know what you're hungry for? It's not a crisp Ritz cracker. It's a spiritual need in their life. They don't know they need Jesus. They just know they need. We need to reach to them. He sat by the wayside, the, high side, the, the highway. Begging. I love that song. When Jesus comes, the tempter's power is broken. Okay? And see what happens with this. I want you to go to Luke chapter 8. I want you to see something. So you understand. Luke chapter 8. Look at verses 10 and through 12. Luke chapter 8. And he said, Unto you it is given to know the mysteries of the kingdom of God, but unto others in parables, that seeing they might, might not see, and hearing they might not understand. Now the parable is this, the seed is the word of God. Those by the wayside are those that hear. Then cometh the devil and taketh away the word out of their hearts, lest they should believe and be saved. Back in our text, verse 46, Mark chapter 10.
Blind Bartimaeus, the son of Timaeus, sat by the highway begging. When someone is begging, you know what they understand? They have nothing of themselves to offer. You know how that works? You see guys on the roadside and they saying, okay, homeless vet, homeless this, hoping that uh, they got their hand out, they'll do something. I like it sometimes, you know, I don't see it as much that you say, we'll work for food. I've offered them work and I would buy them food and they go, are you nuts? Because they just want money. Okay, when somebody's truly begging, you have nothing to offer. It's give me a morsel of whatever it is. There's a time when I saw somebody and I thought they were so hungry that I drove to McDonald's and I bought them a meal and brought it back to them and gave it to them. And I told them, silver and gold have I none, but such as I have I give unto thee. You need Jesus Christ as your Savior for your life to change. I don't want you starving. And I said, you willing to read the track? They said, yes. You get the lunch. A beggar has nothing to offer. They're seeking the kindness and mercy of somebody else. I had somebody ask me, why do you come to the street corner? And I said, I'm just one beggar telling another beggar that there's someone who will feed him for all eternity. A beggar, truly, when they understand it, doesn't believe they deserve anything of God. They're calling on God's mercy and God's grace. For we have not a high priest that cannot be touched with the feelings of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly under the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. See, in verse 47, you see, he heard that Jesus of Nazareth was on his way. And he began to cry out, Jesus, thou son, have mercy on me. He heard Jesus was coming. How did he hear that? From others. Right? He heard it from others. He's calling on the mercy of God. He heard Jesus was coming. Do you tell people Jesus is coming? Do you know right now if you want to witness, it's going to be very easy. People are deathly afraid of what's taking place over in Israel right now. Unsaved people are saying, is this the end times? There's so much stuff on the internet, they all get a little bit. They don't understand what the Word of God says. They're getting pieces. Are you telling them that Jesus has come? He's come to save? Do you tell them that Jesus has come to answer prayer? God doesn't answer my prayers. And I've sat with people and said, well, tell me why you don't believe he answers your prayer. Because I believe he answers mine. Well, you think you're something special? No. I know I'm not. I'm a beggar seeking a hearing with my king. Do you tell him he's coming to answer prayer? Do you tell him he's coming to make things right? I can't believe all the suffering in this world. I'm doing a Bible class with Derek and Sammy. We're learning Bible characters. We did Adam, now we're just working on Noah. And I talked to them about how the world tries to pervert everything. And God gave a promise. One of the laws that he gave to Noah 
was that he would never flood the earth again. See, because it had already been done. When it happened that time, it will happen the second time. If you don't know when the first time was, talk to Pastor Kenny. He'll explain to you. He said, I'll never flood the earth again. That was the sign of a rainbow. That was God's promise of a covenant of protection from the flood. It's not about the rainbow coalition and the perversion of something God calls sin. See, because the world will try to pervert what God says. Okay, he cries out mercy and he gave him that promise. Do you cry out to God? Do you just say the prayers or do you cry out to God? There's a difference when I hear, help me. Ian, help me. And sometimes when I'm alone, it's, God, help me. There's a difference in that. Sometimes God wants to know that you're going to get to the place where you're enough of a beggar and you know you don't deserve it and you're humble enough that you go, God, please, because of who you are, please. He cried out. You need to study mercy in the Scripture. It'll change your prayer life. Turn to Romans chapter 9. Romans chapter 9, verse 14 says, What shall we say then? Is there unrighteousness with God? God forbid. Some people think God's unrighteous when he doesn't answer their prayers. For he saith to Moses, I will have mercy on whom I will have mercy, and I will have compassion on whom I will have compassion. So then it is not of him that willeth, nor of him that runneth, but of God that showeth mercy. See, God's mercy is not based on me, it's based on who he is. And if I can humbly understand that, then I can come before him. Matthew 5, 7, part of the Sermon on the Mount says, Blessed are the merciful, for they shall see. Back in our text, Mark chapter 10. You look at verse 48, and this is what we see today. And many charged him that he should hold his peace. But he cried the more a great deal, thou son of David, have mercy on me. They told him to hold his peace. They were rebuking him for crying out to God. That was an open prayer to Jesus. Do you understand that? That's what the beggar was doing. You know what the devil doesn't want you to do? He doesn't want you praying. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the stand against the wiles of the devil and have done all to stand. Stand therefore, having what your loins girt about with truth and your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Okay, put on you have on the breastplate of righteousness and the shield of faith and the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. You're preparing for the spiritual battle that our pastor preached on Sunday night. Put it on. Be prepared. And then the very next thing you're told in that passage, praying with all prayer and supplication. That's the battle. That's the battle. It's the prayer life. Prayer is a warfare. Prayer is work. Prayer is power with God. It's the hardest service to attend. It really is. 
It's the hardest thing to do consistently and fervently. We struggle with it. Verse 48 of our text. Many charged him that he should hold his peace, and he cried, The more a great deal, thou son of David, have mercy on me. He continued, You know what the proper response is when people tell you you shouldn't be doing this in the street corner? We'd rather obey God than man. I'd rather cry out in prayer and have somebody be offended by me praying than God not working on my behalf because I did not cry out. You cry out to more. It's a great deal more. James chapter 5, verse 16, it says, The fervent, effectual prayer of a righteous man availeth much. And he cries out, Have mercy on me. If it wasn't for the mercy of God, none of us would be here. Plain and simple. Have mercy on me. You notice, and it goes on if we look in our text, in verse 49 it says, And Jesus stood still. That's just a passing thing to you? Jesus stood still. Before I was saved, I loved this old movie. They, they made it again with Keanu Reeves and the stuff, and then I think it's made a third time whenever it's called The Day the Earth Stood Still. A major thing was coming to them. Suppose they, wisdom from outer space to keep them from having the earth destroyed because of their wickedness and their war. That's what that was about. Well, that's a cheap excuse for the coming of Jesus Christ. And it says here, Jesus stood still for him. I love that. I'm sorry if I think I'm going too long. But in Mark chapter 10, verse 49, in Matthew chapter 20, verse 32, it says Jesus stood still. In Luke 18, it says, in verse, 10, verse 40, it says Jesus stood. In Matthew 27, verse 11, Jesus stood before the governor, Pilate. Why was that one important? Because he said, who art thou? And he says, thou sayest. In John 7 and verse 37, Jesus stood and it says, If any man thirst and come unto me and drink, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. He was standing when he told him about the coming ministry of the Holy Spirit. Study your Bible. There's something about when Jesus stands. Luke 24 and verse 36, The disciples were afraid and very soon after the resurrection. And they've gathered together. And then you find Jesus Standing in the midst of them. I know this is not about prayer, but I want you to understand. When Jesus comes, they were afraid and seeking God's face. And they were fearful because they didn't understand yet. And then he revealed to them and giving to them the Holy Spirit. They're there, they're afraid, they're in fear, they're in doubt. And Jesus stood in the midst of them. Where two or three are gathered in my name, there I am in the midst of them. They were afraid. They were not secure spiritually about the resurrection. Jesus stood in the midst of them and he said, Peace be unto you. You spend time in prayer long enough and you know what the Savior will give you? You may not have understanding of how it's going to work, but you're going to have peace that he has it. In John 21 and verse 4, Jesus stood on the shore 
Because Peter said, I go fishing. And you find him calling the disciples to service. See, when he stands, something important has taken place. He even told Peter at that time about his coming martyrdom. He stood on the shore and called to them. In Acts 7 and verse 56, you find the martyrdom of Stephen. And he'd been preaching to them. And they're getting more and more angry with him. And he says in heaven, this is when Israel's getting a chance to accept their Messiah again before ministry starts turning to the Gentiles. And he says, I see the Son of Man standing on the right hand of God. Well, we find him is seated at the right hand of God that he might ever liveth to make intercession for us. He stood when they had a chance to acknowledge him, and then they didn't, so then 2,000 years of the times of the Gentiles came in. Israel's in the balance. Because Romans tells us blindness in part came unto Israel. Okay. There's other verses with us, but I want to understand. He stood for the prayers of a humble beggar who knew his condition and didn't cry out, give me, give me, give me. He cried out, have mercy. Mercy on me. What wilt thou I should do? Verse 59, I believe it is where it is. It's very specific request. You know why you need to give specific requests? Because then God can help you to know that you know what you need to pray for. When you pray, bless the pastor, bless the church, bless the missionaries, that's why you hear individual prayer requests. I've looked at kids and I know what they want. You ever done it with your kids? Do it with the grandchildren? Not just Sammy and Derek. I've done it with, with Kent. I've done it with Keelan. I did it with the step-grandchildren. I said, what do you want? Well, I, um, I don't know what well I is. Tell me what you want. What is it you want me to do? Well, could, well, what is it? Well, I'm afraid to ask. Come boldly under the throne of grace. You're only going to get yes, no, or wait. Huh? Right? And you see that. What should I do, Lord, that I might receive my sight? He's asking for mercy, explains he's blind. Puts this very directly before him. You need to have specificity in your prayer life. Now, I'm not trying to, I'm not negating unspoken prayer requests. They're very specific in the heart of the person giving them. All right? That's not the same thing. Then it tells us in verse 52, he says, Go thy way, continue on, thy faith hath made thee whole. He believed him, and he said, Go thy way. The minute he starts walking away from Jesus, what happens? He obeyed what God gave him when he asked in prayer, and then he received his sight. What if he hadn't? And he just stood there, but God, I, you haven't given me my vision. He says, go thy way. He starts. It's a matter of turning. It's not a matter of long steps. Thy faith has saved thee. He received his sight. Look at verse 52. And Jesus said unto him, go thy way, thy faith hath made thee whole. And immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus in the way. What way? The way that brings glory to the giver of answered prayers, not the answer prayer. And all God's people said, 
Amen. Good night and God bless.